Hello and welcome to the Fresh Thoughts Podcast. I'm John Maver and with me today is Zachary Chastain, our head of communities here at Thought Labs. Hey John, how's it going? Today we're going to talk about Facebook audience optimization and Twitter's new algorithmic feed. Let's get this thing started. Let's start with Facebook audience optimization. So audience optimization is a new set of three pieces that Facebook released. It's all based around better targeting for posts on Facebook. Didn't Facebook already have post targeting? In the past, you were able to choose targeting at the bottom of the post publisher and you could select gender, relationship status, educational status, age, location, and language, and interested in. And whatever you selected there would be used as a filter to prevent your post from being seen by any of those people. So we used to use this for one of our clients where we'd generate two different versions of a post with different images and different text, one for men and one for women, and we would be able to see how that post reacted for both of those groups, right? Yeah. Um, we also use that to do location targeting, where we might do a post in Spanish uh, for a Spanish-speaking audience, and we might do not show that post to the English-speaking audience. So the targeting was great for limiting that way. The problem was that it restricted the reach. There was no way to increase reach or to have it be shown to a more engaged audience while not reducing the reach. And that's the problem that Facebook has fixed today with this release. That's great. And I guess a little bit of overlap is in the past there was this interested in targeting option and that allowed you to select from interest that Facebook had decided people had based on the way they had liked posts or added things to their personal profile. But that also was a filter. So if you chose someone who was interested in cats, that meant that only people that had explicitly given an interest in cats would see the post, not people who might be interested in cats. All right, so the new audience uh, optimization is uh, built from a, a new dialog that shows up when you click the targeting button. The first tab is called Preferred Audience. And Preferred Audience lets you select a series of up to 10 different tags. These tags relate to the content in your article. And rather than being a restriction, these tags allow you to kind of educate the Facebook newsfeed algorithm about who would be most interested in this post. And then when Facebook is going to show this post to someone, it will use that as part of its weighting. So it's a really good way of increasing your potential engagement while keeping your reach the same. It should actually show it to just as many people as before, but they should be hopefully better people for your content. We're really excited about this because you're able to give context to your content. And so an example might be for a post about writing better blog posts, you might include people that are interested in digital marketing, inbound marketing, content marketing, social media marketing. And if it was an ebook, you could include people who like ebooks as part of that. And those people are, will be more likely to see this content. Of course, it's restricted still to your fan base. So this is not like Facebook ads where you'll be showing this to additional people who don't already follow you. But it's a great way of getting reach within your existing audience that's engaging. 
So how do the uh, tags work? I, was, I noticed that there's some best practices for tagging in your blog hmm. posts on this. In the blog post that I wrote about this, I used a lot of the best practices that Facebook suggested. And the, the gist of it is they have already created a huge list of tags based on what they feel they can address with these posts. So finding the right mix of tags is really where this becomes kind of an art form. The basic premise is that you want to find tags that are both broad and specific and that really relate to the type of audience that you want to reach with your content. So we talk a lot about using personas to target your content. You want to write content for those people and now this is a way to identify the types of content that they would like to see. So a very specific tag might be things that are mentioned in the article. So people that are interested in, say, Facebook or Twitter or tacos um, would be very specific. And then you might add some broader topics that relate to things that they might be interested in as a whole. So environmentalism or global warming or uh, content management systems, etc. And so the art form is finding the right balance between these specific tags and the broad tags so that you're never restricting your your engaged audience too much. So then the tendency might be to add every tag you could possibly think of and that's where the 10 tag limit comes into place. So it's it's important to, to be uh -huh. judicious in your use of tags. They suggest that you should definitely tag things that are very popular if they're uh, present in your content. So if you have celebrities or companies and you tag those, you're much more likely to get engagement. They also feel like it makes sense to, to use hashtags or trending memes if they also relate to your content. Sometimes those memes will build up steam over time, so it might start out with a pretty low portion of your audience, but as more and more people on Facebook respond to those memes, uh, that engaged audience can increase. Hmm. What's a good uh, mix as far as, like, do you want to be really specific with those, or do you want to focus more on the general tags or just kind of half and half? I think you have to figure out how best to represent your audience. Uh, you want to try and hit the key highlights of your blog post that will really be interested to that target, and then make sure the scope is expansive enough to reach people who might not necessarily have read it otherwise. If you're writing a post about Bernie Sanders it might make sense to include a tag for Bernie and also for Hillary so that your post gets additional exposure to people who are interested in Hillary Clinton. Yeah. So that's that's tagging. I think um, the biggest thing is to get started. Uh, the more tags that you use, the more likely you are to understand how they match your audience. And you obviously would tailor the set of tags to each post. Thankfully, Facebook also has a new audience insights dialogue that's part of the post performance dialogue. When you click on the post to see how it's performing, so you'll be able to see how it's affecting your click rate and likes and shares. So it's a great way to refine your tags over time. So the one downside to audience insights at the moment is that they only show up once 100 people have seen your posts. So depending on the size of your page, that can either take a while or happen instantly. But until that happens, you won't be able to see the results. Is there a, I think there's like a size limit on that, isn't there? Like you have to have a certain number of fans? No, I, I did not see a size limit for the number of fans you have to have. 
They're automatically enabling this for pages that have 5,000 fans or more, but you certainly can turn it on if you don't. Oh, okay, cool. It's in the settings. It's one of the new options inside the general settings for a page. Yeah, so can you still restrict your audience in the way that you've been able to in the past? Yes, yes. That is the other tab in the target dialog. You can still restrict your audience by age, gender, location, and language. They eliminated the interested in relationship status and educational status options. Uh, I never used the relationship status or educational status as part of my organic post-targeting, and the interested in option obviously is being replaced with the preferred audience technology. Mm -hmm. uh, overall, I think this Audience Insights is a fantastic new tool for marketers and for brands on Facebook. I think it's definitely something that you would want to use on every post because there's no disadvantage in trying to give more context to Facebook in terms of who sees your content. So in the future, will uh, like third-party tools be able to access these features through the API? Yes, yes. So they have API support right now. Uh, at the moment, audience optimization is only supported in English language, but you're able to do it via the publisher on Facebook itself through the Graph API, and some third-party tools already support this, such as Social Flow and Sprinkler, and I'm sure more are on their way. Hmm. That's really great that they're already supporting it. Yeah, yeah, it's great. So next steps, use these tags as much as you can. Look at the insights to analyze what's working and what isn't, and repeat. And I think the, the biggest thing is to try and really experiment with what outside of the box fits your content. Uh, what memes and hashtags and current events and how you can incorporate people into your posts that you can then tag. Excellent. Okay. So that is audience optimization. Let us move on to the very exciting algorithmic yeah. timeline. Yeah, so I wanted to talk about uh, Twitter's new algorithmic feed. Uh, I feel like this is something that Twitter has been missing for a long time. And I always thought it was odd because they copy so many other features from Facebook, like the cover images, they changed favorites to likes, they added the autoplay videos. And it always seemed odd to me that the one feature that they just wouldn't copy was the algorithmic feed. But this is the most controversial one. This is oh, the yeah, cause of the rip Twitter hashtag. Yeah, but like Twitter's short messages... On a mobile platform, it's clearly meant for like quickly sharing and consuming content. But when you have to hunt through that reverse chronological feed to find the content that you care about, that doesn't help you do that. Like I've always felt like that my Twitter feed is just like if I'm if I'm looking for something, I'm looking either on someone on someone's like specific profile at their tweets, or I'm searching a hashtag. Like I've never felt like the feed was useful to me. Mm. I think after a certain number of followers, that's exactly true. It's just too much information. Right. I remember the first time I got TweetDeck set up and I just watched my feed whiz by. Uh, I had a, <laughs> uh, over a thousand followers when I first installed TweetDeck and it just, it just kept going and going and going and there's no way to keep up. And it caused you to have this huge fear of missing out and mm -hmm. overload and overwhelm, and eventually you just gave up on trying to keep up. 
Right, and they've always had the hashtags to you know, help you find tweets about topics that you care about, but I don't think the average user really makes a lot of use of them. Like, engagement is 411% lower on Twitter than it is on Facebook, mm. and uh, I think, like, marketers and power users make a lot of really good use of hashtags and events, too. But I'm not really sure that... Uh, that reliance on hashtags to find relevant content has really made Twitter as accessible to a wider audience beyond those power users. Well, I feel like hashtags support the search behavior, but not the view behavior. This is all about the view behavior, right? How, what happens That's when I come to the point. site, not when I'm looking through the site? Because even without hashtags, I can still search for those keywords. I can still search for iPhone or whatever. I don't need a hashtag to click on for that. Right. But it's nice when the hashtags give you extra context, and that's good for search. But the the big problem with Twitter is being able to ingest what you see when you first come to the site or use your, your mobile app. That's very true. Yeah, even if you are looking at the hashtag view, then you're still going to have to manually sort through it and find the best stuff. It's not just going to come up to the top like it will with an algorithmic feed. You know what's an interesting question, and you won't have the answer to this because no one's done this analysis, but back to your engagement is lower on Twitter than on Facebook. I wonder how many total Facebook posts you're exposed to on a given day versus how many potential tweets you're exposed to. And yeah. doesn't that alone affect your engagement rate? I mean, if you saw a thousand tweets in a day, I definitely don't see a thousand Facebook posts in a day. Yeah, that's very true. I also feel like the value of a tweet, the uh, the importance of a tweet is so low because of the sheer number of them and the time it takes to create a tweet. I mean, yes, it does take a little time to craft uh, 140 characters to perfection, but let's let's assume that most people aren't spending all that time and they're just right. writing, <laughs> writing something, just tweeting something. Um, I feel like there's a little less time put into that, a little less personal effort. Yeah, that's a good point. And it might be a little easier to do that kind of apples-to-apples analysis once the uh, more people start using the new feed. I think it's turned off by default. Uh, so we'll see if they turn it on uh, by default or if it'll stay opt-in for now. I think it's, um, it's opt-in because of that whole RIP Twitter thing where everyone heard about the algorithmic feed coming and felt like Twitter was going to become facebook and that they should uh they would rebel you know i don't want twitter to become facebook i feel like they have totally different audiences but i want twitter to be a better twitter and for me that is highlighting the best content the most relevant content to me i do want an algorithmic feed that learns what i care most about and surfaces that and because it doesn't have my friends to base that on it's it should be topical it's a really great opportunity for some fantastic machine learning to show me what I care about most or what I should care about most. Yeah. Great points. I totally agree. So it's opt-in at the moment. Uh, has it rolled out to everyone? I don't think so. The, I first got the message, like, I think last week. So it hasn't been out that long, at least in whatever region I am in where they roll things out. How does the algorithm work? Basically, it's taking into account things like uh, tweets from the accounts that a person already follows, uh, 
it's ranking them based on organic engagement. Any paid engagement isn't going to factor into the algorithm. And advertising will be displayed within the new timeline. Oh. And that's, well, that's no different than now, right? Right. It's just a different view. How does this, do you think this will affect someone who has just started tweeting? Are they going to be crowded out of this this new algorithmic timeline and only showing the Robert Scobles of the world? Hmm, that is a really good question. Um, hopefully the algorithm is smart enough to feature content, uh, you know, even if you're not a well-known person, then you're still going to be uh, in the feed when it comes to topics that you care about and that you are you have some authority on. But yeah, that's an interesting question about whether this is going to uh, maybe focus more of the content on people who are existing power users and have been on Twitter for a long time with a really big following. Which I guess that's not that different from now. <laughs> so I can shut this off if I don't want it. Uh, I can go to it on my devices. If I enable it uh, on the web, is it everywhere or is it only on the places where I enable it? Ah, uh, yeah. So yeah, you have to enable it on each device right now. Um, so you can't just turn it off and turn it on in one place and then uh, have everything have it working on all of your devices. So if I'm a brand, what should I be doing in response to this to make sure that my tweets get seen and interacted with as much as possible? Um, well, just like now, uh, the thing to do is to continue focusing on creating great content. Uh, the algorithm is going to continue to reward the best and most engaging tweets. Um, and so, and also this is going to be, uh, it's, it's only going to take organic tweets into account as well. So, uh, you just want to keep posting great content organically and having people interact with it. Okay, great. Thanks. You've been listening to the Fresh Thoughts podcast from Thought Labs. Please subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you consume your favorite podcasts. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Thought Labs. And thanks for listening.